Man, I'm so excited that God is the God of, of uh, glory and that he, and he loves us. Listen, uh, you, you may be wondering, do you live here yet? Yeah, I moved in. Uh, we're, we're across the street in the Shepherd's Inn. And uh, uh, the truck got here Thursday with me. And, and uh, it's unloaded, and which means we're up to here in boxes. And uh, we found enough to get dressed to make it here this morning, so we're good. And uh, uh, Janice has a few weeks, uh, the school's uh, holding on to her a little bit, so she's going to be traveling on the weekends. I tried to get her to come back and forth every day, but she wouldn't do that. Um, but um, it's three and a half hours, that was a joke. Um, but anyhow, uh, so yeah, I'm there, I'm here, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, God bless. I pre- we appreciate y'all's help, y'all's prayers, everything you're doing uh, to get us here. Uh, they sent us out, told us to uh, go spend y'all's money to get a few things for the house, so we did. And uh, while we were out doing that, though, we ran to a bunch of people that, that uh, knew about Calvary, weren't coming here, or used to come here. Met one lady. She comes from Waynesboro to pick up a, a, a lady who uh, is deaf and take her back to Waynesboro to church. And she said, do y'all have a deaf ministry? I said, we're going to get one. And so uh, I don't know about that, but, uh, but I hope that, uh, you know, there are people out there that need, need to know the Lord. And, and we met some other folks, too, as we were going uh, here, there, and yon. So uh, anyway, it was, it, it was great. And uh, I, I want us to open today, open your eyes to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, we're going to start in this book of Ephesians. I, I, I preached out of the middle of it last week, uh, but that was, uh, that's not really part of the series. Because what Ephesians does for us is two things. Y'all here at Calvary, from everything I see and read, even if you're not aware of it, it's at least in our official papers and documents. And that is that you understand the purpose of the church or the purposes of the church, at least as defined by Rick Warren, and uh, that, that the church's five main purposes, and I like to add one, I don't think you'll disagree with me, uh, is worship, it's ministry, it's evangelism or leading people to Christ, it is fellowship, bringing people into fellowship with the church, and discipleship, teach them to be like Jesus. And I would just add prayer to that. And here is what Ephesians is going to do for us. It's going to spend three chapters laying a groundwork for those purposes. Because the purposes are the what are we doing, but the foundation has to be the why. Why is the first question you always ask. Y'all know that, right? Like, why do you get up in the morning? You know, do you have a job? Well, you got to get up and go to it. Everybody needs a why for everything they do, right? Y'all answered for John. Y'all just being quiet for me. Um, Maybe he's younger and better looking. That's why. But yeah, we got to have a why. Why do we exist? What is our purpose? And so Ephesians, the first three chapters of the book, is laying the scriptural theological foundation of the why. And today we're going to come to the very first two verses. Ignore what I put on the screen because I put three verses up there, but I meant one and two. My mistake. Uh, but anyhow, and they probably will fix it before they get there. You know, technology is kind of amazing now. Those folks can do stuff I, I don't get, but even if they don't, verse 1 too. What we're going to see today is that you and I are in a battle. Do you know that? We're in a battle. So that's what we're going to lay because the reason the church functions the way it does is because we're at, a war, at war with an enemy. Thank you, brother. I'm glad you're amen. And you, he knows where the amens go. Y'all need to follow his lead. We're in a battle against an enemy that wants to destroy us. And if you live thinking that he doesn't, you're in trouble. Listen, I've been a diabetic for 50 years. 
I can do, here's what I tell everybody. I, I met a young lady here. I don't know if you're here, sweetie, but uh, she's just been diabetic for a few months. And, and I was telling her, look, man, I've been living with this for 50 years. Here's what they've told me since, since the beginning. You can live with it or you can die with it. And if you choose to live with it, you'll live longer by man's measure. They don't, you know, doctors don't know about Psalm 139. God's already written down the day I'm going to die. Until then, I'm invincible, right? My wife said, yeah, but you could be crippled or hurt. And I said, okay, okay. Because like when I get on the Harley, she's like, oh, be careful. And I said, honey, I ain't going to die. I said, yeah, but he didn't say he wouldn't break a leg or something. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, I get it. But listen, I'm invincible. And when God is done, I have pulled out in a Jeep Wrangler in front of an 18-wheeler and been hit. So I'm no longer afraid of those either. I'm only afraid of God and my wife, I promise. That's the limit now. And we're in a battle, but if we ignore that battle, if we pretend like we're not in a battle, we give room for the devil to destroy us. And so in Ephesians, we're going to see, and then the last three chapters are about how do you live that out? How do you apply those purposes of the church? And, and so we're going to look at that together through time. You say, how long? I don't know. Until we get done, I reckon. Uh, as long as it takes. So we're going to look at that together. And in fact, there is a, there's a war going on today. I hear there's a football game today. Is Clemson playing? If they're not playing, I don't care. But, but we better know. Can, can you imagine guys been hired, paid millions of dollars, and they just like, ah, well, we got a game Sunday, but whatever. They don't even study the other team. They don't work out. They don't do their drills. They don't practice together. They don't, know, they don't learn when the quarterback tells them to do this, that this is what they're supposed to do. So they get out there. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They can't do it if they did know because they haven't conditioned themselves or, as the Bible says, exercised themselves unto godliness. You see, the Bible is talking to us all the time about, about allowing God to develop his image in us. It's a preparation. Everything we go through in life is a preparation for the warfare in which we find ourselves. And this battle won't be over until we're with the Lord. Y'all following me? You with me? Okay, just want to make sure you're with me. So if you ignore the battle, how are you going to prepare for it? And in Romans, it tells us preachers, and if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who will know to run to the battle? So I want to give you a certain sound. I want you to understand, whether you acknowledge it or not or know it or not, there's an enemy who seeks only to kill, steal, and destroy from you. Those are the words of Jesus, not mine. That, that there is an enemy that wants to tear you apart, steal your testimony, destroy your life. Here's the thing, he can't. Because God can restore anything, but so many times we don't allow him because we live in fear. We don't get ready. We don't face the enemy. You know, uh, warriors of old were told by their wives when they left, come home on your shield or don't come home at all. In other words, you fight to the death. You go as hard as you can go. And that's what God calls us to do. He calls us to die. You know, we, we've got this so messed up today in our churches, don't we? Come to Jesus. He'll make your teeth whiter, your eyes brighter. You'll be blessed and prospered. We'll even cover how you're blessed today for a minute. And that's how we, we try to sell Jesus to people. And Jesus said, come and die with me. Well, wait a minute, Lord. You're not going to get much of a crowd with that. And he says, I know. That's why he preached away the crowd and turned to the disciples and said, will you leave too? They said, where are we going to go? You got the words of eternal life. He said, okay. (laughs) 
Buckle in, because here's the ride we're about to go on. And he has called us to die. And if we've already died with him, who on earth do we fear? For what can man do to me? If the Lord were not on my side. And so, Jesus said, don't fear him and destroy the body, but destroy him and destroy the soul and body in hell. Right? Right? Amen. You don't have to agree with me, but just follow along. Amen. So, here's what I want you to understand. You say, man, I, I don't know about this. I'm, I'm not sure about this. But here's, here's, the, here's what I want you to get today. Is that God equips the chosen. He does not choose the equipped. Because you're not equipped without him. It's not like you've you got to be a certain level of greatness or ability before God will use you. You just have to be available. I appreciate John's testimony. I appreciate what he said about uh, uh, th- that verse. Uh, Lord, you know, here am I. Send me. My, my oldest daughter, they're planning to go uh, to the Middle East in, in about a year. So I ask you to pray for them as they try to prepare for that. And uh, they're going to go and, and, and uh, well, anyway, I won't get into it. But when she was a teenager, she just asked me, she said, God, uh, Dad, is it, does, does God, she didn't use these exact words, but that's what she meant. Well, actually, here's what she said. She said, reading that very verse, she said, I read this verse, does that mean I could say to God, send me and he'll send me even if I don't feel called? I said, yeah. She said, okay, that's what I'll do. So she wound up marrying a guy called into the ministry. They've been pastoring, uh, associate pastoring in a church just above Lynchburg. And now they're planning to go to the mission field. My middle daughter, since she was a kid, said, I'm going to the mission field. And she married a man who said, I'm going to the mission field. Now he has an accident, a He's got a traumatic brain injury, and they can't go now. What's God up to? I don't know. But he's forming his image in them, and we are all in a warfare against an enemy, and we need to understand it. And God equips the chosen. He equips those who say, I'll go. He will equip you once he calls you or sends you or you hear his call. And are your ears tuned to the Lord that you, that you can go? You don't have to be equipped before he calls you because he's going to equip you after he calls you. Nobody goes into the military ready to fight. Nobody goes into even drafted out of college into the NFL since the Super Bowls today. Ready to play at that level. You know they go to camp every summer. You'd think they'd know what to do by now, wouldn't you? I'm always tickled when they say about doctors they're practicing medicine. I want one that's figured it out and got it right, don't you? Don't be practicing on me. I know it means something different. If you're a doctor, I'm just kidding. I love doctors. They've helped me tremendously in my life. I'm just trying to make sure everybody stays with me here and you get what my point. And so, listen, God is calling us. So I, we're just going to look at two verses today. So, oh, good, it's going to be short. I doubt it, but we'll try. Look at Ephesians 1. Let's stand back up. Let's just read. It's just two verses. won't hurt you much. Let's read these verses together. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that indeed we are in a battle, that we have an enemy. Lord, I just thank you for these verses that introduce us to this book of Ephesians. And God, as we go through this whole book, as we prepare for battle, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be prepared to be the church. But, Lord, we can't be the church until we know what we're doing, and we can't know what we're doing until we know why we're doing it. So, Lord, help us to know the why. 
So we can know the what, so we can become what you want us to be. And that we can do what you want us to do. Because we have the purpose and the understanding of what you're about. Lord, I pray right now for myself because, uh, Lord, I know that, that uh, in, in many words there likes not sin. So, Lord, I just pray you guard my mouth, my tongue. And that, Lord, the words I use will be words that, that uh, you place there. And that the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth would be pleasing in your sight. God, I pray for the listener and the ears and the hearts of the, of the hearers, including my own. That they'd be open to hear the will of God. And in knowing and hearing the will of God, we'd be quick to obey. Lord, we pray for those who are in this building right now that are lost. That, Lord, your spirit would convict them. I can't do that, but only your spirit can. That they would know they need to be saved. Lord, I pray for the saved that are, that are living a life ignoring your will and your purpose in their life. That, God, you would open their hearts and minds to that. Lord, I pray for those who are trying to do your will but are discouraged and down and beaten. Lord, that today you would encourage them from your word. Lord, only you could do all those things in all of us. And so I just pray that you would do that. And that, Lord, we would marvel in your presence and we'd give you glory for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. And God bless you. Y'all can sit down if you want to. I want you to see, first of all, the will of God. We got to understand the will of God. You say, man, I don't know how you're going to get to a battle out of those verses. And, but I want to show this to you. Here, the will of God. Paul introduces himself. It starts off with Paul. It, letter writing is kind of, you know, passe now. We, we use email and uh, I'm sure there are some, some kids in the world who don't even know what a stamp is anymore. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but we used to write letters. And, and, but even on our emails, we still sign it at the bottom, right? You say, well, I signed it once and my computer does. I know, I know. But we know who it came from. Well, in their day, in Paul's day, they signed it first so you know who was talking to you. You didn't have to flip to the end and go, who sent me this? Oh, it's Paul. He just starts off, Paul. Now, here's something I've learned in, in 2 Corinthians. He makes a big deal of this. In their day, if I, were coming to, if I was coming from another church to here, and I showed up here, I would hand you, even if you knew me, I would hand you letters of introduction. And Paul even says in 2 Corinthians, he says, you are my letters of introduction. You are the ones that, that are the testimony of who I am, of what God has made me to be. But you carried your resume, in a sense, and you gave that to wherever you went, even if they knew you. It was a, uh, just a custom, a manner of introduction into that fellowship. And if, even if it wasn't written down, they would know that and they would introduce. So that's what Paul is doing here. He's introducing himself. He's giving us his credentials, why we ought to listen to him. So he starts off with his name, Paul. Okay, we know about Paul. Have you ever thought about this? It's kind of a sidelight, but not really, because I pray that this would be true of me. I, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and you don't care that it's my favorite, but it is. In the book of Acts, Paul is, is, is being used of God, and there's, and, 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 and there's some people that see them casting out demons and go, man, I want to try that. And there were seven brothers, sons of a man named Sceva, or Sceva, who said, we're going to try that. So they go find this demoniac guy, this guy that has been demonized. And they say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And to me, the funniest line in all of Scripture is, Jesus we know, and Paul we know. But who are you? <laughs> and then the man jumps on the seven guys, and one dude beats up seven of them. They run out of the house naked and bleeding. And here's what I get out of that. Those demons knew who Paul was. Now, I'm not saying Paul was greater than any other man, but 
what he was doing, the way he was living, Satan was like, oh man, that dude got up again today. I've had him shipwrecked, I've had him beaten, I've had him stoned, and he just keeps coming. He's an energizer bunny, he won't quit. So when you get up, does the devil go, huh, who cares? Or does he go, oh man, that dude's up and at it again. Paul. He didn't have to say much after that. Everybody knew who he was. He spent a lot of time in Ephesus, didn't he? I mean, it was from there the gospel went to all of Asia, right? And he planted churches out of Ephesus. This is an important uh, place in, in, in the ministry of Paul. So Paul introduces himself, and then he gives us his position in the Lord, his position in Christ. Paul says, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, you and I understand there, there are technically only 12 apostles, and we're not going to get into the whole controversy of that, because then that would be like a Bible study, and I, I don't want to go there. But just understand... Jesus had 12 disciples. Now, you and I are called to be disciples, right? When I pause, that is a cue. Yeah, okay, so we're called to be disciples. We're not called to be apostles. Now, uh, uh, conservative theology says there are only 12 apostles. But we have a struggle here because one died. He killed himself because he wasn't really one. You know, we say 12 men followed Jesus. Actually, 11 followed him. Judas was just walking around with him. So the question is not whether you're with Jesus, but are you actually following him, right? But anyway, so he died, and Peter, before the Holy Spirit came, because he's Peter, and he's ADHD, more or less, decides we've got to replace Judas, and he does. Now, did the Holy Spirit count that or not? We don't know. That's a controversy. Because Paul later on says, I was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. I am one of the apostles. So how does heaven count it? Because in Revelation it says 12. Twelve apostles, twelve sons of Israel. I don't know. That's above my pay grade. We'll figure it out when we get there, okay? But know this. As far as the church was concerned, Matthias was the twelfth apostle out of Acts 1. And as far as Paul was concerned, he's the apostle to go to the Gentiles. Isn't it funny? The most Jewish guy who ever lived, God called him to go to non-Jewish people. God does that sometimes. He sends you places you don't... Maybe expect to go. Now, Paul had been good with the Jews, and he was, but, but man, his forte was with us who were not Jews. And so Paul's position, in fact, let me just say that Paul, I tried to count it, and I may be off a little bit, but at least 25 times Paul refers to himself as the apostle, as the apostle to the Gentiles. He was convinced of this. And so what he's telling the Ephesian people is, listen, it's Paul, and I'm an apostle, not of my own making, but of Christ Jesus. Now, just by the way, when Peter and those guys decided to pick another apostle, they put some human stipulations on it. And since Peter was Peter, and Jesus told him what he bound on earth would be bound in heaven, the church, and what the church unlocked on earth would be unlocked in heaven, Peter made some conditions. He's had to be with us since the beginning, and he had to spend three years with Jesus and be a witness of the resurrection. Who'd Paul see on the Damascus Road? Yeah. And then where did Paul get his theological training post-Judaism? In Whale University with a campus on the backside of the desert. <laughs> Three years he spent in the desert making tents and talking to Jesus. He tried at first, but he was just in his, his own fleshly zeal. And he about got killed for that, so he went away. He about got killed later, but at least he knew why then. So I'm just saying, Paul met the requirement. He spent three years with Jesus, and he was a witness. 
to the resurrection. So I'll let God decide who's the real apostle. But let me just say this. Paul's not wrong when he can call himself that either. And so Paul, his credentials are, are real. His position is as an apostle. Now, he, here's the deal. That may not have been recognized by men, but it was certainly recognized by God because the, the, the definition of an apostle, and when I use that term, is they are doing something that's never been done before. They're establishing something that never happened before. Now, there are people today that believe in that the apostles are still current, but us conservative theologians do not. We say that, no, it was the original ones. They established the church. They established the doctrine of the church. And that has not changed in 2,000 years. They were done for that. If there is an apostle type today, it would be our missionaries and church planners. Where there was nothing and they go and they start a new work. So it's in a type of apostleship. Because in Ephesians says he gave some to be apostles. But they are beginning something new. They're starting a new work that has not existed before. But in the sense of the apostles that are the foundation of the church. Then it is these 12 original ones. Y'all with me? I know I'm bogging out a little bit of detail. But you need to understand that. Because God is the specific call in your life. See Paul had this specific call. He knew what God wanted him to do. He said I made you so Jewish. I want you to go to the Gentiles. Now, why? Because at the beginning, the church, Christianity, was seen as a part of Judaism. And it took Paul to convince the Jews that they don't have to be Jews to be Christians. Y'all never read Acts 15? Because me just saying that ought to make you say amen. Because we'd all have to be observing all kind of Jewish customs and traditions if it weren't for Paul. And he was the most Jewish guy I ever lived. Even Peter got caught up in the controversy, and he was got afraid of men. So that's why Paul writes in Galatians 1, because that's what that book is about. And by the way, Galatians is the oldest book in the New Testament. It's the first written book in the New Testament. It's all about, you ain't got to be a Jew to be saved. And Paul's the one that made that happen. He said, I even had to point at Peter and say, Peter, come on, man, you're compromising. Okay, so that's who Paul is. That's who God made Paul... To be, that's why God made him so Jewish and sent him to the Gentiles. So you wouldn't have to eat kosher meat. So you could have bacon this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> well, he got that right with Peter too, but anyway. Favorite verse in the Bible. Rise, kill, and eat. Amen. <laughs> Some of y'all like that. Some of you kids, y'all can look that up. You'll like that. But then Paul had a, he introduced himself, he lays his position, but then he lets us know his authority by the will of God. You see, Paul, it seems, because he repeats that so much, that it kind of bothered him that maybe they didn't count him as an apostle. But I don't think it really bothered him. He just keeps saying it so you would understand where he's coming from. God did that for him. Okay, now I'm going to make a point of this, and there's a, a delicate balance there, and I hope I can achieve it, but... Paul understood that by the will of God, he was called to this specific thing. And that's what he does. And, and I want you to understand that we're all, we all have a general call. You, are not, you don't have to be called to testify of Jesus. Because Acts 1.8 says, if you receive the Holy Spirit, you are a witness. Right? After the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. You say, well, I don't have power and I'm not a witness. Then you're not saved. You say, now you quit preaching gone to meddling. Don't be mad at me. That's what the text says. I'm just a paper boy. I don't write it. I just deliver it. 
So Acts 1.8, you go there if you need to check yourself. And that is that God's Spirit comes on you, you can't help but be a witness. You can't help but do that. And you should be that witness. And Paul says, my authority is not by the will of men, but by the will of God. Because he knew some people would go around and, you know, I mean, Paul made enemies because he didn't hold back. So they say, oh, that old Paul, he thinks he's something, but he's nothing. That's the whole book of 2 Corinthians about Paul trying to fix that. Oh, that Paul, he's all blowed up in his mind. No, he's not. He's the one that told us, you better check yourself whether you even be in the faith. You need to live a life worthy, and you need to understand what's going on. So Paul understood who he was, but he's not going to back down when he did understand who he was. And so he just keeps saying, this is the will of God. This isn't about me. I don't care about me. I'm just telling you, this is what God gave me, so as I give this to you. So this is Paul's introduction to us. But then secondly, I want you to see... Not only the will of God, but the worker of God, because he turns his attention to us. At the end of verse 1, he says, to the saints. Now, my Bible says, who are in Ephesus, yours may or may not. But to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. We have a title. It's saint. You know what that word means? It means holy. It's the same word we use for holy. It's just a different form of it to, to refer to people. And, and holy, sacred, listen, listen to what a saint is. I know, I told you all, a saint stands for Sunday afternoon is nap time. I understand that. <laughs> but I was joking. This is what saint really means. It means holy, sacred, pure, morally blameless, consecrated. Say, that's not me. Yes, it is. Before the throne of God... Yes, it is. Because the blood of Jesus makes you that. You're not worthy of that. Paul says, I thank God who counted me worthy, placing me in the ministry. See, he equips the called. He doesn't call the equipped. You with me? And so Paul says to the saints, you are holy, you're blameless, you're pure. That's why later on he's going to say, live like it. As I talked about last week in chapter 4. Walk in that way. Because you're a saint. Before God you're holy and blameless and pure. And you should live your life out on this earth like that. That's why in Galatians 2.20 says. I've been crucified Christ. Nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ. Lives in me and the life I live now in this flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. You'll hear me quote that verse almost every sermon. Okay. That's an important verse to understand because we are identified with Christ in two ways. In his death and in his resurrection. We've died with him. And if I'm already dead, I'm not scared if you're going to kill me. Because I'm already dead. You can't kill a dead man. Dead is dead, right? So once I'm dead, I'm dead. If you're born once, you're going to die twice. But if you're born twice, you're only going to die once. And I've already died. I just happen to live here. One day I'm going to change addresses and live there. When I move, and I won't need a moving truck, hallelujah. (laughs) Or to pack and unpack boxes, because anything worth taking is already there. Amen? Come on, saints, be happy, all right? (laughs) So you've got a title, you're a saint. Next next week, somebody says they want to pray to St. Mary. Say, well, I'm a saint, why don't you pray to me? I'm kidding, don't do that. There is one prayer in the Bible prayed to a saint. as when the rich man in hell lifts up his eyes and prays to Abraham. Notice where the prayer originated, hell. 
Notice what it got him. Nothing. So you got a friend prays to a saint. You say, are you down on Catholics? No. But following Catholic theology will not take you to heaven. Only Christ can do that. And if you want to fight with me, my grandmother was Catholic. Until she got saved. Then she was a Baptist. But that don't make Baptist right. I had a guy from another church said about a third of my church is Baptist. And they weren't a Baptist church. I said, yeah, about a third of mine is too. The rest of us are saved. Um, (laughs) Man, if you're wearing a denominational label and you're hoping that helps you, when you get to heaven, it'll fall off. And if you go to hell, it'll burn off. So don't don't worry about about that part. But not only are we titled, but listen, we are proven who are faithful in Christ Jesus. That word faithful means trustworthy. God can count on you. When God calls, you say, yes, you're the first in line. Let me go. I'll do it. I'll go. I tried to instill that in my children. I, my son, I don't know if it's just his nature or he heard me, but that's how he always was. He was so intense. I have a picture of him as a little kid playing baseball and this look in his eyes just as a seven, eight-year-old kid was intense. And one day when he was playing high school football, we were at a, a, a visiting team and, and it was, it was kind of hilly and where we lived in Suffolk, you know, it's flat. If there's a hill, somebody dug up some dirt and piled it there. It's not much there. And, and, and it was very hot that day and, 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 and another uh, guy's dad and I, we ran and we, I put something on Facebook about Gatorade, about uh, today's Super Bowl and they said, if the pastor makes a good point, pour Gatorade over his head. So there's... Four bottles down there, but each one's got the pastor's name on it. I hope we're not getting drenched later. But So me and this dad, we went and bought some Gatorade, take it to our sons. And we knew the football team would be there. And we're going over there to go over the hill. We couldn't see them. And my friend says to me, I wonder where our sons will be. I said, I can tell you where Ian will be. He'll be sitting on the front row looking at the coach. And we came over the hill And in front of the whole team was my son, and he's doing this. He's listening to the coach. Listen, that's what God calls us to be like. See, I'm glad my kids aren't here. I can use them for illustrations now. If they were here, I'd do it anyway, but I'm just telling you. God calls us to be faithful, to be attentive, to be there. How are you going to hear the call of God if you're off doing something else? See, that's why one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen It's not a question if Jesus is in the house. Of course he's in the house. But are you on the porch sitting with him? Are you inside getting busy and ignoring what he's teaching? What are you saying, Lord? What's next? What do you want? I'm ready. Let's go. What is it? What is it? What is it? Ready to go. Ready to obey. And and I want to get to something really good here. We're not only titled and proven, but we're equipped. Notice what he says there in verse 2. Grace to you and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a saint, if you have been called out to be a saint, not only uh, are you supposed to be proven, but you have been equipped so that you can do what God's called you to do. You see, we are in a war. And when he gets to the end of the book of Ephesians, he's going to tell you to put on armor and how to put it on and how to use it. But until we get there, we have to understand that he's given us the means to get that armor. You see, I can't wear a military uniform. I've never been in the military. I mean, I could wear it, but they call that stolen valor. I can't wear a police uniform. I'm not a policeman. I can wear a football uniform, but 
I, I, I don't want to be around anybody that actually plays the game because they're going to hurt me because I'm not equipped <laughs> to play that game because that's not who I am. So God wants to equip you to be a saint, and he uses grace and peace to do that. And, and among other things. But I, I just want to break down these words for us a little bit. This word grace here uh, is, is a word that means favor. Now, how many of you want the favor of God? Be careful. Because favor does not always mean it's good. If I'm here long enough, maybe I'll get to preach on that one day. But I want to point something out, something out to you. We all do want the favor of God. And, 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 I, and I'm going to dip into what I just said a little bit here. How many of y'all remember when the angel came and appeared to Mary in Luke 1? What did he say to her? Hail, highly favored one, right? She was favored. She had grace. That's what it means. You follow me? Say, man, she was so special. I know I'm picking on Catholics again. Because they think you got to pray, you got to go to mama to get to the son, but you don't. Because she had to be saved by her son. Let's get the theology right. But the angel called her highly fair. What a special woman. Look at verse 6 in Ephesians 1. It says there, To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us, in the beloved. Guess what? That is the same exact word that the angel said to Mary. God's grace to bear the Son of God to the world was not just for Mary. It's for every saint. You follow me? I mean, it's the same tense. Because the Greek language, you can change the ending and have a little different. No difference in this word. Same exact word. You say, man, I want that kind of favor. Really? You want to be a pregnant, unmarried, teenage girl whose fiancé is now going to divorce you and put you away because of the shame of you being pregnant by somebody he don't know because he knows it's not him. And for the rest of your life, have people doubt who the daddy of your son is. So that when he is grown and he's speaking to the Pharisees, they say, we're Abraham's son, but we don't know who your daddy is. A lot of favor there. You see, to bear Jesus is not for the world to glorify you. It's for the world to hate you. For us to die with him. Uh, that's just a hint into the sermon I would love to preach sometime about the favor of God. Are you ready to be ashamed for Christ? Are you ready to be abased for Christ? Are you ready to be a doormat to the world so that somebody, somewhere, somehow can be saved? That's what Jesus was willing to do. He left heaven and came to earth and he became a servant to us so he could die for us. And now God offers you the grace that it took for Jesus to do that to you. Somebody, please, say amen. Amen. So we have the grace of God to equip us. Not only that, we have the peace of God. 
And guess what this word peace means? It means to join together. To whom are we joined? Well, to God. Through Jesus, who brought his grace to us. By the way, grace is more than that which saves us. It's that which empowers us. I told you this already. But I'll repeat this a lot, as you know me. It is not only God's righteousness, at, or God's riches at Christ's expense, but it's God's righteousness at Christ's enabling. He enables us to live out the life that he's called us to live, and that's a definition of grace and understanding of it. This peace, we have peace with God, Romans 5, 1. Turn over with me to the book of Romans. It's, it's, behind, it's going to the left from Ephesians, in case you need to help there. And no embarrassment if you do. That's awesome. Ephesians, I mean, Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Why do we need peace with God? Because you are his enemy. The book of James says that we were the enemy of God, that we were at warfare with God, that we were against God. We didn't want his righteousness. We didn't want his help. We wanted to be left alone. We wanted to do our own thing. We wanted to do what felt good. If it feels good, do it. We wanted, we wanted to have it our way. We wanted to do our own thing and not have anybody tell us what to do. And God said, no, that way, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is the way of death. But I have a different way. I have a narrow path. But you have to die to get on that path. And you've got to die with Christ. Because he died for you. And so now you have to be identified with him. In his death on the cross. That you can be raised to walk with him. And the peace with God is because we were at war with God. But the cross of Christ turned the anger and the frown of God into a smile toward us. Because now we're adopted. Now we cry out. Abba, Father. Now we have a, power, a, a spirit of love and of peace and of a sound mind. And we're no longer enemies of God. As the black preacher said, your arm's too short to box with God. And God paid the price. The book of Isaiah says, as it pleased God to bruise him for our sin and our transgression. And so the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. Oh, wait, we sang that. The wrath of God was satisfied in Christ. And all we get of God is his love. Because Jesus absorbed his wrath. For us. So we have peace with God. And because we have peace with God. Now go back to Ephesians and keep going to Philippians. The next book. And chapter 4 and verse 7. As I sip a little bit of water. And here he's talking about how not to worry. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God. You can't have the peace of God in your mind until you've got peace with God in your salvation. People are upset. They're disturbed. We're going to counselors and psychiatrists. And I'm not against any of those guys. But let me just tell you this. Nothing's settled till it's settled right. And nothing's settled right till it's settled with God. And if you want peace of mind, you've got to have peace with God so you can have the peace of God. 
Because now I've got lap privileges. Now I can walk into the throne and see this terrible, almighty, powerful God. His smoke filling the temple. The foundation of the earth shaking. Angels crying out. These cherubs, these warrior angels crying out. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. The seraphs. I'm sorry, not the cherubs. The seraphs. That God says, come on up here. Sit in my lap. What do you need? Because he's my dad. He's my father. I got peace of God. What do you think you're going to do to me? You can't send me to hell. You can't shake me. You can't destroy me. I'm not saying we don't get shook and all that. We're humans. We go through it. But I want you to understand that you get peace with God. You got the peace of God. And Paul says back here in Ephesians 1, grace and peace from God our Father through Jesus Christ to you. Amen? Amen. God has that for us. So as we prepare for battle, as we're looking for, for this uh, uh, war that we're going in, we gotta, we got to be ready to understand there's a will for our life. God didn't call you just to save you and give you a lot of knowledge about himself. He called you to live him out in this world, to live out loud for God, someone has said. That, that we would live for Jesus in this world. And not only that, that he calls us to be that worker for him. Understanding his will for our life and the position that he's placed us in. Now we work it out in the world. But we're not alone. He's made us a saint. He equips us through grace and peace that we could live that out. So what could you do this week? Well, I got a few things I will suggest to you. First of all, go ahead, next slide. Act in the opportunity... To which God has called you. Knowing God has given you the authority to speak on his behalf. Because I promise you, you go to witness, somebody's going to look at you and go, who do you think you are? Say, I'm a beggar that found bread. I'm going to tell you where you can find some bread. I'm a, I, I was a sinner, now I'm a saint. A lot of times we like to say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Well, if I'm saved by grace, I'm not a sinner, I'm a saint. You say, you don't sin? I didn't say that. But when God looks at me, he sees a saint. And so when I sin, he reminds me of that, and I repent. Okay, just, just we walk around, well, I'm just a sinner. So no, I'm a saint. He made me holy, pure, blameless. And he equips me in grace and peace to live out. Now, I want to tell people that are hurting and dying about the grace of God. And about the mercy of God and the love of God. That is only found in Christ. And apart from Christ, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12. And you got to know that. you got to understand that. Secondly, lay hold of the power offered through the Holy Spirit to equip you to live this holy life. It is the Holy Spirit that brings the reality into our life. The third person of the Trinity. God the Father willed it. Jesus uh, qualified it. And the Holy Spirit enables it in us. And God, the Trinity, is always at work around us and in us and through us to do the will of God. And so access that power through the word, through prayer, through fellowship of the church, through all these ways. Lay hold of that power to live out that holy life. And then thirdly, use the equipping of God to rest from unnecessary worry. And to refocus that energy to productive service. You say, what do you mean by that? So many Christians are running around, well, I'm just not sure I'm saved. I just don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about that. Well, then settle it. 
If you don't know, get saved. Be saved. Call on God. And if you've called on God, in sincerity, you've surrendered to Him totally. And quit worrying about it. Because let me give you some news you may not have heard before. You can't save yourself. It's not how hard you prayed or how hard you believed or who was preaching or what aisle you walked down or how you prayed that prayer. If you're saved, it ain't your fault. And if you're lost, it ain't God's fault because he did everything he could to save you. But you got to surrender. So quit using, y'all know what worry is? That's using today's grace for tomorrow's concerns. I think somebody in the church here quoted something I'd read before this week on Facebook. And it said this. Worry is taking responsibility belongs to God. And your salvation is his responsibility. And if he's promised, he will be faithful to do it. And so if you've come under him and said, yes, save me, you're saved. Quit spending your energy worrying about that. Refocus all that power God's given you, not on that you're saved. Quit worrying about it. When I die, I'm going to heaven. I love the attitude of Paul, speaking of him. He says in one place, he goes, hey, I got an opportunity to leave, go to heaven. And now I don't know what to do because y'all need me to hang around. And I'm ready to go because that's going to be good for me. But you need me to stay and that'd be good for you. So I'm going to hang around for a little bit longer. Because whether I go or leave, I'm going to glorify God. Maybe I go or stay. So he decided to stay for a little bit more. He didn't care. One was good as the other to him. Because he knew God so intimately. He says he accessed that grace. So quit worrying. Now, if you're not saved, you're not sure, you better worry. Well, don't worry. Deal with it. Be saved. That's his call to you today. If you're sitting there going, I don't know if I'm saved or not, then let's get it settled once and for all. That's what Hebrews says, he died once for all. It's done. And then once you have that settled, my second daughter, my middle child, Cameron, all my children receive Christ at a young age. And a lot of times when that happens later on, you heard John's testimony today, I have a similar testimony. Where later we learn more, we understand more. And we're not sure, did, did I really mean that? Did I understand it? And John said it so well, he knew his was a head knowledge and he didn't have an experiential knowledge of God. And I appreciate that. My daughter, my second daughter, she worried about that. She bothered her. And for many years, it bothered her. And she went to college. She went to a Christian college as well. Same one uh, Pastor Robert Hampshire went to. And uh, she was worried about it. And she said, one day she said, you know what, I'm just going to settle this. And she did. She said, I hadn't had a worry since then. Because she settled it. So was she saved when she's little? I don't know. That's something, that, only God knows that stuff. I don't know if you're saved. You don't know if I'm saved. I could be faking it up here. You wouldn't know it. Because <laughs> you ain't God. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I'm not either. Amen. <laughs> I'm not your judge. I'm just the preacher. I'm just bringing you the word of God. You and God got to settle that. And if you're not sure, settle it today with him. And if you are sure, quit worrying about it and start using the power he's pouring into your life to do something for him. Amen? Well, that was a whole other sermon at the end there, wasn't it? Hey, what kind of church would this be if we all got busy using the power of God to run to the battle? To run to the sound of the guns. 
It was a tragedy in America many years ago, the very first big-time school shooting in Columbine. I don't know how carefully you've read the news or ever kept up with the aftermath of that. No one was shot that day that was not a believer, I'm pretty sure. Don't believe anything else you ever read except that that was an attack of the devil against those who knew Christ. And two of those young ladies were offered the opportunity to reject Christ or die. And they both said yes to Jesus. Tragedy. Here's what the world reported, though. Nobody ever seen anything like that. There's suddenly there's a shooting in high school. Police, SWAT, everybody arrives. And they didn't know what was going on. And they stayed outside too long. Not criticizing them. Just got to look at the facts to make it better. They didn't run to the sound of the guns. And that's what warriors do. And God's called you to be a warrior. And let me just tell you, this week, you're going to be somewhere and you're going to hear the sound of gunfire over here. And it's going to be Satan destroying a life. And God's calling you to run to the sounds of the guns. What if I get shot? What if you do? You're already dead. Who cares? Run to the sounds of the guns. Over here, you're going to hear a marriage falling apart. Run to the sounds of the guns. You're going to see somebody so discouraged. They, they don't know where they're going to turn next. Run to the sound of the guns. And get involved as people are dying and going to hell. And their flies are falling apart. And run to the sound of the guns. Because we're going to be a while before we get there. But go home and read the rest of Ephesians. You've got on an armor. You've been equipped. You have been clothed for battle. Go! Go! And fight the good fight and prepare 